Kanezovich. We're people. Hello there. This is Mike Kanezovich, and welcome to the latest edition of Tune Up with Mike and Monty, Brain Science Step by Step. Each week, Dr. Pavaluri and I talk about the brain, what can go wrong, and what to do about it. And we're here this morning on a beautiful, wintry Chicago morning. There's a light blanket of snow. It's cold, cool and crisp, and it's the good thing about winter here in Chicago. And today, we are going to talk about ADHD, but not the garden variety discussion of ADHD, because I think you've probably heard a ton about ADHD, because you kind of just do if you just listen to any media, if you read. Um, but the thing is, Dr. Pavaluri, good morning, by the way, Dr. Pavaluri. Good morning, Mike. I'm excited to be doing this. You know, after holiday season, we're regrouping and beginning to work again on things that we care about. Yes, and uh, ADHD is one of them. Um, and I think uh, there's probably a lot of sort of misunderstanding or sort of a, the, the thought that you do understand it, but it's a lot more nuanced than that. And so we're going to try and get at those things today. Um, in particular, we're going to talk about personalized treatment for ADHD, particularly for the gifted and or what is known as the affected. Um, and maybe you want to just say a little bit about what that means, the gifted or affected. Oh, um, I just want to say that ADHD as such is widely represented across a broad spectrum of population young people, uh, very young people like preschoolers, to all the way to adults and you know, middle-aged and beyond. And so I just don't want to exclude anyone in this discussion as such, but of course, we'll be focusing on where it starts with at a young age and then how it progresses and like also focus a little bit on high school students. And uh, the, the problem with ADHD is that it's very complex often and it has multiple um, octopus-like uh, tentacles around it. And it's never like pure by itself, uh, more often than not, at least in my practice, okay. uh, although they appear in general population. And I would like to address the complexity and understanding the nuances. Okay. Um, to that end, I know that uh, I'm one of those lay people that thinks they know a little bit about it, but I, 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 know, <laughs> I know enough to know that I don't know a lot about it. I also know that, the, you know, the, I think there's some... Uh, element of uh, uh, you know uh, skepticism uh, among some people about whether it's a real thing or something and so let's say you have a, a child or a teenager that's been diagnosed and you want to you want to tell people what that means you want to tell exactly. your family members or your right. friends how do you do that right ADHD you know I begin with no matter what the age is you know this these are the things that cross lifespan um, when you have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder that's presented to you to begin with, you think about the diagnostic criteria and focus on hyperactivity, if they have impulse control issues or inattention, or sometimes it's predominantly inattention, sometimes it's combined with hyperactivity and impulsivity, sometimes it's just hyperactivity and impulsivity with a good attention span. So the common type is the combined one. And see, the, the problem is here, the diagnosis doesn't do justice. So we need to think about not only the tier of diagnosis, mm -hmm. but the other tier of domains of cognitive function within the brain, such as inattention, 
cognitive rigidity, that often inflexibility that's often associated with it sometimes. Um, and there is, of course, impulse control. Uh, um, and we also talk, uh, talk often about working memory because the, the ability to keep things online and concentrate and uh, uh, function while doing math, for example, um, or uh, paying attention to the surroundings is, is very hard. That is uh, uh, visuospatial perception. And also information processing is slow sometimes in some kids. So not all of them describe ADHD to the T, but they're often associated in individuals randomly in random combinations. Okay. So individual understanding of child's function is very important. So it's like a menu of things, and your child might have two of those things. They might have one. They might have all of the above. It's exactly. Just... Executive function problem, emotion regulation. All those things need to be understood carefully. And then there is a third tier, diagnosis domains, and the third tier is educational academic stuff, such as reading, writing, and uh uh, mathematics problems that we call specific learning difficulties mm -hmm. that often are associated with ADHD. Can, can, I want to go back. Cognitive rigidity, how does that manifest itself? Yeah. That, yeah, that's basically, say, when you are really fixated on okay. one aspect and you find it hard to switch from one thing to the other. Okay. And because you hyper-focus on something, say, for example, you're really good at Legos and <laughs> uh, or video games, and then people think, oh, yeah, you can concentrate really well on it. Okay. But it, it doesn't necessarily transfer to other areas, and they get fixated on those things that they love, and they feel comfortable. Which can and be that's really, from the outside, yeah. really yeah. frustrating because you go, look, look at her. She's perfect at that, but how come she can't do it there? Exactly. So, you know, so really, if you're talking to uh, friends or family, you can, what you could do is say, you know how, how she always does this or how he always does this, that, that is related to this cognitive rigidity or something. And then, um, th then they understand that it's a true diagnosis. Right. Um, right. Okay. So that, there is a lot of complexity in this. Um, so, we, what do you do then? I mean, yeah. what, what, and does it matter? Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. It matters what age, I'll bet. Yeah, I think I, I might just start with saying how it plays out across okay. various. Okay, so maybe, that would dictate how, what yeah, do you do? Yeah. yeah, so first, you know, other than the three tier understanding I just talked about, I think it'll be really important to know. Um, if there's learning disorders attached to it, where they need extra support from a therapeutic, in a therapeutic school or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And then there is some kids with severe social anxiety where they find it hard along with learning difficulties that they avoid school. And some people are gifted and brilliant and take so many clubs and involved in so many activities at school and take AP classes but still struggle with inattention and there is a stress from other siblings doing really well. That okay. just is a problem with those subset of kids. And then there is emotional dysregulated kids with uh, say disruptive mood dysregulation with learning difficulties along with ADHD where they are bullied a lot in school and they need a lot of help dealing with school issues. Uh, so there are multiple aspects to it that you need to unknot in understanding and treating. So there's a lot of complexity in how it it's manifested, but also it sounds like it often presents itself with other disorders. Comorbid, yeah, comorbid yeah. issues Comor that need to be discussed. Is the term. The, that's another tier, if you like. Okay. Um, so that would very much affect how you address it. 
uh, like whether there are other things going on at the same time and, and exactly. exactly okay exactly. all right so um, if it's that complex I would guess the treatment options are also pretty varied and but but it's pretty important to have to really spell out complexities of the particular case and then move forward right okay right and so the treatments uh, for example you know, I would like to say that they consist of the basic evidence-based uh, evidence-based uh, uh, outcome that design that helps design elements of treatment. But when you take any individual case, it has to be personally built the treatment strategies, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the medication, say for example, uh, methylphenidate works or mixed amphetamines work in a, according to a study but what does it really mean when you apply to the patients you know none of these strategies that are proven in evidence uh, on evidence-based methods really translate exactly to every single case okay so yeah. there could be a big study that show those drugs work that doesn't mean in this your case, yeah, your, your child's work. case, that, that that's yeah. Yeah. Plus, there are other difficulties at the individual level that we need to really constantly monitor and rearrange our thinking. It's almost like a science to the T of clinical application. Okay. Right. So, uh, say for example, if you take medication, and there, there's medications, there are behavioral interventions, there are school-based interventions, there are psychological interventions, there are high school issues, and so on. Right. Okay. So let's say if you take medication. So I will just talk about nuanced stuff rather than like regular, you know, like um, uh, textbook stuff. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. Good. So um, in medication, say for example, yesterday I had an issue with a patient where the insurance doesn't cover any of the, you know, major medications that people yeah. use like Vyvanse or um, Adderall or Focalin or, um, you know, or Concerta, which is like, uh, all these are long-acting popular meds. Okay. So I had to really ask the family to call their insurance and see what is covered. Because unless these pay other drugs didn't work before, you can't ask them for even prior authorization through insurance. You have to go by what is available. Okay. So, you know, it is not, uh, it is so limited in what a doctor can do sometimes. By the, with some the, other the sort of system, so you have the to be very, things, The system yeah. is like that in America, yeah. and probably not in other countries. You know, and say say you give an, a a very good medicine that is approved and uh, acknowledged and appropriate for a patient. So then there are other problems like they don't sleep at night because of this, <coughs> or they don't eat well in the morning and they come back home hungry. So hungry man is an angry man, as we know, and then. <laughs> And then after school, there's a rebound because the medicine runs out and they get like hyper. And and sometimes there's a lot of people just keep, you know, increasing the dose, thinking the lower dose isn't effective. And then it causes problems of mood dysregulation, really at high doses, mm. that you really mess up their mental state. You know what I mean? The, at the, high doses. The, you, you started with something that was supposed to help and it ends up... Right, yeah, right. Okay. So you need to keep track of all these a trail of problems you create by medications. Yeah, and, and so you have to really monitor it closely. And the, the other thing that comes to mind is kids change so much so quickly. And they're, they're probably, you know, they get, they get bigger. They're, they're, they're sort of chemistry and their brains are changing. Right. And so uh, that could affect whether or how the, the meds work too, right? Right, yeah. right. So adjusting the dose and adjust, giving what they need or require or avail, uh, that are available. 
and uh, you know giving sometimes the new thing that I'm doing is like although in the past I used to say long acting one is the only way to go in the morning but I think the short acting one and in the morning for half of a day and then giving a long acting one in the middle of the day is not a bad thing because it lasts the homework and so then carry still through the rest of the day the rest of the day and at least leaves them some space for them to be able to do homework and uh, not struggle yeah. sometimes long acting one in the morning and short acting one in the evening is fine except the kids come late to home like oh. say if they come at five o'clock and you start giving a stimulant evening one at five it, it, they don't go to sleep right yeah so you have to think about the individual child schedule yeah in how you exercise the long acting and short acting combinations uh-huh. you see what i mean i do i mean yeah. uh, like so the medication strategy gets down to really fine details of, of, of the, Each the person's kids' routine life. and life. And the parents' life. Yeah. Yeah. So what is behavioral intervention? I don't know what that means. Oh, yeah. Behavioral intervention works best between 6 to 12-year-olds, you know, for some of the studies. But then they always are very good as a strategy mm-hmm. where you use rewards and stuff. But the funny thing is that reward and response costs, you take away some things and then you give rewards and... You know, you have okay. token economy, like you add value to every good thing they do and you put it on the calendar or on the fridge, what they did great okay. and embrace it. And so it's nice, encouraging kind of stuff. But the most important thing that I really feel in behavioral intervention is how some parents use video games as like a reward and then the kids really hyper-focus on it. So you want to be careful if they have rigidity and intense reactivity when you take away rewards. Because you could unwittingly or reinforce a bad thing. Bad thing. So you want to start off with homework and what they need to do and then go on to video games at the end of the day or only on the weekend, depending again on the patient you okay. know, or, or individual. That's interesting. So, um, and then, uh, and I think that another very important thing is voice training how, in a calm way, how the family can really um, use these uh, reward systems in behavioral intervention. Voice training. A voice training. I think the families yell and scream and they don't have enough oh. time and get stressed out. Okay. So they need to really use gentle voice. So that's training and yourself. As parents, you have to or train yourself how you talk to kids that's a very very critical thing that no books write about okay you know and that's very important and also setting small reachable goals for these young people and you know providing a specific logical spaces for doing homework keeping distraction to the minimum maintaining the routine um and you know like limiting the choices and giving one or two choices for them to really work around so that they feel that they still have a choice, but they're not like badly done by. And then also making them feel that they can experience some success in some hobbies or some activities they do is really important, I think. You know, all of these are really critical and these are the basics um, of that, I think. And, And the one thing that I really work with families and children is the checklist and um, checklist for each day, two or three things and a little um, a sticky pad and also a monthly planner. You know, one, two, three, four, like you write all 30 days and then say the first four days I'll do this project, like next five days I'll do this project or this project is coming up this way. So there's a plan out of the month so that they're not feeling so pressured that they have to do everything and everything is looming on the top of them. So each day... And you can see progress that yeah, way Yeah, you too. can see progress and check them up. So I actually show them the visually how they can do the monthly planner and the day planning on the 
lists of uh, I mean, things. Yeah. This, the whole thing, including the meds, it sounds like that organization and that monitoring and uh, sort of keeping a diary is really important because... Uh, visual, visual yeah. analog of your yeah. activities, and, yeah. and then because uh, that way you can see changes and go maybe you got to adjust the yeah. meds or uh, yeah, I, I approximate it with school yeah. assignments right. as well. Right, you know, right. Assignment notebook is important, right? Right. So all those things and then the folders and organization, these are all part of it. But I think some of the important ones are making those lists and making it reasonable and goal oriented. You mentioned school. Um, so, okay, so I, you can't just like go, okay, we're going to do all this stuff and then send your kid to school and and then just sort of ignore it. How do you work? Are schools dealing with this very well or how do you how do you talk to the schools about what you need in terms of sort of, oh, uh, right. you know, and what is what a school, what, do, what can schools do? What can a day at school look like that would help? Uh, right. I mean, the school is like basically where we adults go to work, like, right? It's the milieu of their functioning. Yeah, so, like the workplace. Uh, yeah. Absolutely, right? The academics are so important. And then not fighting with the peers and recess is important. Not talking back to teachers is important. So these are the three essential stuff, right? So let's talk about academics. So, uh, like, it's really hierarchical. You provide, this is how you simply organize. You either provide tutoring or in the classroom or outside the classroom. Then you provide aid in the classroom or pull them out uh, of the classroom through IEP, um, and I, that is individual education plan, which is a due process, and then provide these resources through school. And then you pull them out and have them uh, be educated in special class for certain classes or special education throughout the day, or you even take them out to therapeutic schools where they part-time go back to the, the and reintegrate to their school at the other times. I see. You know, when they get better at the therapeutic school or sometimes they finish their education in therapeutic school. If that doesn't work, they go to residential schools. So there is a hierarchy starting from some help with teachers, mm -hmm. tutors, to aides, to, you know, special education, to special schools. So, and sometimes none of these schools help and they're very anxious as well, along with ADHD. And when you really need to do online school or uh, a school can send things to do at home, home, or you cut down the school time to half day, mm -hmm. um, and you have the teacher come and meet them in library and, and somehow achieve uh, time to time when their things are you know difficult when they're not going to school often. So there are many, and there are alternative schools as well. So mm -hmm. there are many, many ways to do that. So, uh, and that's the academics. But the academics, as I told you, need to be paired with uh, behavioral interventions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then with the teachers, they need to learn how to be nice to the teacher and not talk back and say F off and things like that. You know, sometimes in an extreme <laughs> way, they say, and then who wants Don't to teach all? anybody, right? Who no. wants to teach anybody who is just talking like Mistreating that, Mistreating right? them, yeah. It's so not right. And... Uh, the morality, social society's rules, and um, and and safety with the other peers, with not getting into fight. Yeah. And there's research that says that oppositional kids with ADHD tend to be bullied a lot, you oh, know, okay. because they're intrusive and stuff. So how not how to be not bullied? How do you respond to it? Mm -hmm. And they go tell the teacher, but teachers don't do. How can, how much can teachers do, right? Well, they can't track everything yeah, all the time, right? So you need to tell them. 
Sometimes bullying is because of other people misbehaving because they have their own issues, but sometimes it's to do with our kids, like with all these problems, saying, say, you know what, so what, or uh, please, or, you know, yeah. uh, give yourself a break, or, you know, so, or you can say something simple like that, yeah. or you can say, oh, yeah, you're good at it, I'm not, you know, yeah. or something like that where you don't take um, head-to-head, uh, con- you know, uh, and, and and get into an argument. You can just manage so, the, yeah, the situation. You have to, so not fighting is important, not talking back to teachers is important, you know, making sure that your education uh, is tailored is important. These are the school issues you get through either 504 plan, uh, some of them, or... I want to stop real quickly. Um, th- these things are pretty right. well known to a lot of people with kids, but but the, you mentioned an IEP, which is something I know that you develop. Uh, the schools are obligated to provide right. uh, an, I, an IEP, which is an indiv- individualized education plan right. uh, for anybody that has special needs. And, yeah. and pe- yeah. you know, and most parents know this, but not all parents know that right. you actually have right. a right to this. So, right. Yeah. ADHD falls under Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. Mm-hmm. So they are privileged in receiving individual education plan. Uh, which require which requires or needs I mean if they need any change in curriculum and adjustment or 504 plan where which is a lesser degree you interfere where you can have extended test times and and uh, um, adjustments to um, your routine so we talked about some things we can do at home what the parents can do and what the school should do um, what other things uh, did, did, or did, did we not cover um, say psychological relationship, uh, psychological issues. Okay. When you see a psychiatrist or a psychologist, I mean, other than medications, there are so many other things we can do, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like I'm speaking all along, you should be able to explain to them opportunities with medication and behavioral intervention and school-based issues. So pulling it all together and mm-hmm. being like a good case manager is mm-hmm. important, mm-hmm. I think. And personal planning and strategizing and helping them to find the right fit for school is important. Talking to teachers is important, right? Mm -hmm. And social skills training is important for these kids, but social skills training really is to do with how to deal with bullying and teachers and Like you just said, learning it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, learning all those. So you should pull it all together. Mm -hmm. And how do you do it is best done by this experienced person talking to the family okay and one thing that we often miss and we talk about behavioral intervention blah 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 but the family relationships mm-hmm. that's so important because sometimes yeah say for example a father may directly try to coach the kid and the mother is trying to protect the kid because the kid is so reactive All right. and then so um, you got to get on the same page uh, yeah, yeah exactly and the children are fighting with the other siblings who and extremely cruel to each other sometimes mm-hmm. and bullying within the home with abuse so you know helping them to gain insight Getting treatment for parents, either in couple counseling or helping them understand the dynamics, unknotting the problem mm-hmm. is the key, unknotting the problem. And then help, getting help for the mother or father who are not understanding or they have their own depression or ADHD. Right, right. And then um, helping kids understand, siblings understand the disabilities, not only ADHD, but comorbidity. Mm-hmm. 
and that it's not that parents are doing a bad job right. with the children, but that they're trying and that how to help them empathize. Yeah. All of these are really, really important. And I think that if the family or parents stay united and really work together, that's that would be the best thing for and these it, kids. And I'll trace back to something you really emphasized before, too, like this sort of visual uh, tracking of, uh, of, 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 uh, of each day of, of goals and things like that. I think what can happen is you can just feel if you might be making progress, but you don't even know it. And and, exactly. and, 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 and and you might be working on the wrong things. And I would guess this carries through through elementary school, but as the, it doesn't go away. I mean, you, right. you know, like you, you, it, so when you get to high school, high school is fraught for Right. For anybody, right? If you're gifted, say for example, or otherwise, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. But the same issues are there. But if you are really doing well and you push yourself, then even an average child almost is almost inundated. Yes. So let's talk about even an average child. You know, even with or without problems. Yeah. You have a P a freshman year, you're getting just used to it. Sophomore year, you have PSAD. But come junior year, you have subject tests. You have AP and honors classes. You have grades to keep up with. And you have some queer subject, not queer, but I should sit and say that. But A push people say like, uh, uh, you know, American um, history, uh, AP history, AP US history. I mean, it's uh, everybody complains about it. I don't know what it's to do with well, it. Well, I mean, uh, as somebody that went to high school eons ago, yeah. I thought just taking... The rules changed about Well, the pressure is is Enormous. much greater and greater. it starts earlier right and then there is act and sad tests on top of it so how, i mean you are coaching you have classes you've got all of these to deal with and on top of it there are counselors and there's wide variation so say in private school you have very good help and support but in a public school there's so many kids and it's hard to have individualized counselor attention and even if you pay someone to help you with all these college applications in the senior year, it's, they can't help because they have a lot of clients and they might just do um, somewhat of help with one mm -hmm. application, but not multiple applications, multiple essays. It's just virtually impossible. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just like gets an add clubs on top of the yeah, schedule. Yeah, yeah. And the then the curriculum and, and volunteering. And most, yeah, exactly. And then when kids come home, imagine with ADHD, reading disability, dyslexia, something like that, you know, they come home and they go to bed yeah. and they sleep for three, four hours. And then they start their homework from about eight o'clock to 10 o'clock and then stay up till two. And then they go to sleep for four, six hours or so or less. Yeah. And so parents often say they're sleep deprived, but I, I tell them, please add also the time they sleep after school. And if they sleep eight hours, you're doing a good job. Okay, so don't be concerned if, 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 as long as they hit that target. Uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, there's no choice sometimes, right. right? Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, we talk about routine and enough sleep. but And also, you know, eating well is very important. Carrying some extra food to school in the bag whenever they need, you know, in between all these activities is important. Otherwise, they won't eat with all these stimulants, okay. right? And so um, uh, I think it's it's nice to keep some things handy in the bag, like some, you know, extra snacks, okay. uh, quintessential. And add a boyfriend and a girlfriend texting constantly. <laughs> it's done. I mean, oh, my God, you know. I mean, yeah, high school, I was a mess. Right, yeah. right. And, and, you know, so basically breaking down. If you break down, if you ask me, Mike, Sleep, 
is important. It's like a bomb. Mm-hmm. Time management, diet, and controlling anxiety over your school curriculum. Okay. You have to break these four into pieces. Okay. Okay? Yep. The, and then attack from that okay. point of view, making sure that all aspects are healthy. So if you break you it see, down into those four... Time management, diet, controlling anxiety. And the academics will fall into the time management, hopefully. And that's the basis for strategy and tracking and things like that. So you mentioned diet. And when anytime I hear diet, I always think, well, what about exercise? Yeah, I mean, uh, right, right. There is some evidence with ADHD that 60 minutes of aerobic exercise, yoga, or anything like team activities or, you know, or, or team sports, they're all good every day. And that's very important for these kids. Um, and the diet, I think... Like, you don't want to give, uh, impose any diet except, you know, the food coloring sometimes is really not, you know, having good reputation uh, with these ADHD kids, at least in subgroup of them. Mm-hmm. So elimination diets, we call them, don't impose more than five weeks and then see how that works out. Okay. You know, if the parents bring it up, that is, I don't really initiate any of this. Okay. And omega-3 fatty acids, on the other hand, are not recommended as a treatment. Okay. Um, and so that's the deal. Um, so, all right. So let's say I have a child and they get, they make it through high school or they get to high school. What, what should I think? Parents worry. What, Mm -hmm. what are the prognoses? Um, the one thing that I really, uh, want to emphasize is the prognosis part of it you're talking about. Yeah. The, the fun part is that most kids negotiate and navigate ADHD and associated problems with good treatment and good attention, thoroughly and personalized beautifully. Okay. Okay. So I don't feel, um, as agitated under my eye of doing the right thing through treatment as much as possible with these kids holding them, right. you know? So, but there are so many that do not reach treatment that I worry about. Okay. So in en masse, when you look at the community and research, we see substance abuse, increased injuries, either intentional or unintentional through motor vehicle accidents, and also, um, you know, unemployment. Those kinds of stuff seem really rampant in these uh, uh, in, in, in these um, uh, disorders, mm-hmm. uh, ADHD plus other disorders. But the thing is, um, the prognosis depends on severity of ADHD uh, or comorbidity or parent mental health. These are the three that work together to determine where 3 to 10% roughly persist, um, especially if those three are rampant okay. and present. So I but, think but, but, good but, help with the parents will help. Okay. That, those numbers are pretty good. So I'm, okay, so, well, that was a pretty good summary. I guess what I would, it looks like what I would take away is if you identify it and you seek treatment and you're persistent in terms of tracking it, changing it as necessary, you should expect a good outcome. Good outcome. Although the outcome is reported to be really broader percentage and larger with lots of negative outcomes if treatment is not available. Right. So I don't want to hold myself responsible for giving you a rosy picture. Oh, no, 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 yeah, no. I mean, the, yeah, the, like I said, the key was identifying it and seeking treatment and seeking help from a professional. Right, right, right. 
And, and you know, there are so many studies and meta-analysis that I can't even give like specifics of this study is responsible for this outcome because so many worked on it. And right. I, my kudos to all the researchers and all the amazing people who have done it. And I wouldn't be doing justice even to mention one or two, you know. Uh, that's not my way of escaping, not saying these things. But yeah, reality no, I understand. Is that. And, and the most important way I want to say is that the, for everybody listening to this is Imagine going to work uh, for us and school for children or wherever, adults or children. The most important thing we look for is achievement, simple and easier schedule that we can handle, okay. attractive options to engage in, and happy time, right? Okay. Right? We want to achieve. We want it to be simple, attractive, and happy. So be it with peers, teachers, family, we want to transition from home to school smoothly, right? Uh -huh. So to achieve that, what is the best? How do you place them in the best possible scenario each day in their life? Okay. That's where I begin personalized treatment. Okay. All right. With that, I think that was a that was chock full, but I, it helped me a lot. And I, not, I don't deal with it directly. But again, as a, a layperson, I read a lot about it. And, and those studies that you talk about, uh, I would say, whatever you do, find a good professional like Dr. Pavaluri to try to untangle it, as you would say. Of course, happy to help. And there are so many of us out there. And we are eager to reach out and take care. And I wish all the best for every single person and hope you um, get to have a wonderful journey of your life. Thanks for listening. And until next time, this is Mike and Bonnie signing off.